Art of the Ronin, Volume 1 of the Ronin Trilogy. Written and produced by Travis Heerman. Voice talent by Daniel McCarville and Zeus Legion. For more information, please visit TravisHeerman.com. This novel contains violence and mature themes. Listener discretion is advised. Chapter 6. Whether one's mind is correct or not is indiscernible by other people. When any single thought arises, both good and evil are there. Takuan Soho. Kanishi placed the makeshift stretcher beside Hatsumi and eased her into it. Then he tied a loop of twine under her arms to prevent her from sliding off and fastened the rest of his gear across the poles. The poles and bedroll creaked as he tested the weight of the straps on his shoulders. Suddenly, Hatsumi's mouth fell open, and a horrible shriek erupted. The sound was a barely human scream of rage, terror, and anguish. Kanishi gasped, quickly lowered the straps, and scrambled away from her. The scream lasted for several heartbeats, then trailed off to a feeble rattle and Hatsumi's head slumped to the side. Kazuko came running up to him. What is it? she gasped. Is she dead? I don't know. She just... Is she dead? Kazuko's voice rose with terror. All the gods and Buddhas save her life! He moved closer on all fours until he could put his ear close to her nose and mouth. She is still breathing. Kazuko nearly melted with relief. Why did she do that? I don't know. That was horrible. Her face was ashen, and her eyes were huge and glistening. He nodded. It sounded like a ghost. Like something not from this world. We must help her. What can we do? Find a priest. Someone who can heal her body and mend her spirit. She is in a terrible way, worse than I thought. Then let's move quickly. He stood up and pointed down the road. Your home is this way? Yes. You can sling the swords along the sides here, so you don't have to carry them. Thank you, she said. They won't make it too heavy? Kanishi sniffed. Not at all. But he wondered what he would think around sunset after he had dragged the stretcher all day long. She placed the swords on either side of Hatsumi's unconscious body, and he set off down the road at such a swift gait that she had to struggle to keep up. The feeling of unease from Hatsumi's scream left a pall of silence between them for a long time, and neither of them felt like speaking. A cold hand pressed against the base of his neck, like he had heard the depths of a hundred black hells calling out from Hatsumi's tortured throat. He wished Akawa was here. He hadn't seen the dog in so long he was growing worried. 
He knew the dog would find him if he were still alive. But what if Akao had encountered those same bandits earlier, somewhere else in his ranging? Perhaps Akao was lying dead in the forest, hacked to pieces. The thought made his heart heavy. He was used to silence, but now he needed to talk. How far is it? Kazuko started. Her face was still pale, and she was wringing her hands. How far to your home? he asked again. The sound of his voice seemed to calm her. About four days' journey. He did not relish the thought of dragging the stretcher behind him for four days, but he was happy that the sound of his voice seemed to help her. Where were you traveling? We were returning, from Lord Sunatomo's estate, about two days' travel from here. That is a long journey with only four bodyguards. My father is not a powerful lord, but those were some of his best men. They sold their lives dearly to save you. Even the strongest warriors can be overwhelmed by numbers and treachery. Father will be unhappy they are dead. They died like true warriors. Your father will be happy that you are alive. Yes, I am alive. She sighed deeply and looked at Hatsumi. It could be me lying there, not Hatsumi. If not for you, we would all have died terrible, terrible deaths. I am happy to be alive, but I feel so badly for Hatsumi. How she must be suffering. He did not know what to say. They walked in silence for a long time. Kanishi tried to think of things to say that would lighten her mood, but without success. Finally, he said, Why did you go on this journey? Is Lord Tsunetomo a friend of your father? He is a powerful lord from the Otomo clan. My father wants him for a friend, I suppose. What do you mean? I wish I understood it myself. What did you see there? A powerful lord must have a great castle. Her face brightened as recollections danced behind her eyes. We attended a wonderful flower-viewing party. Her voice grew dreamy and distant. A flower-viewing party? I have never heard of such a thing. Her surprise was evident on her face. Truly? Everyone goes to see the cherry blossoms this time of year. Not everyone, it seems. I have seen the cherry blossoms, though. They are beautiful. But having a party to watch them seems a bit... useless. Oh, there are many reasons to have a party, she said. To be surrounded by nature's beauty makes life worth living. Perhaps. But sometimes nature is not so beautiful. I grew up in the mountains. Beauty won't keep you warm in the winter or fill your belly. You have led a difficult life. Yes, but it made me strong. Many times I wished for things like a warmer blanket or a bigger meal. But when I look back now, I know the lack of them has strengthened me. Have you ever passed a day without eating or seen anything truly horrible before today? Well, no she said. Then she raised her nose and sniffed. 
I have been blessed with a fortunate birth, a reward for past lives well spent. That is one way of looking at it. Tell me, then, O oh wise one, she said with a smirk, what horrors have you seen? He thought for a moment. I have seen how grave diggers live, and leather workers. I would rather live alone in a cave. He shuddered at the memory of the relentless stench and how they were reviled by everyone around them. I have seen innocents slain by callous brutes. I have seen homeless whores outcast and starving. Her playfulness vanished, and she looked down. You have seen a lot. I have walked a great distance. I have seen practically nothing. Her plump bottom lip protruded just a bit, and suddenly he wanted to know what it tasted like. You were raised in a different world from me. You have seen none of this because your family is powerful and rich. You have no need to see such places. His voice was not accusatory, but he sensed her stiffen. Her voice was cautious. You are right. You have lived your life, and I have lived mine. But that does not mean we should be unkind to one another. He nodded and smiled at her. She smiled back. The sun goddess, Lady Amaterasu, began her descent. As the road wound under Kanishi's feet, he contemplated his emotions. He wanted her to like him. She did not seem at all like Haru. His teacher had taught him to be aware of his own emotions, to control them. Master one's self, and the mastery of anything else was already nearly complete. But he did not understand how he was feeling. She was the most beautiful and fantastic creature he had ever seen. They came to a small, clear stream gurgling across the road. Kanishi set the end of the stretcher down and tried to stretch the fatigue out of his shoulders and back. He was still spattered with dried blood and ichor, and his clothes were soaked with sweat. Moist strands of Kazuko's hair were plastered to her porcelain-smooth face. He waded into the shin-deep water and began to rub himself clean, watching the trails of rusty brown dispersing into the clear water. He splashed it over him, and the coolness invigorated him. His hunger flared again like a flash fire, but he had no food. So he took out his crude bowl and filled the snarling cave in his belly with cool, clear water. Kazuko dabbed away the crusted blood from Hatsumi's face, washed the bloody bandage, and replaced it. He filled the bowl with fresh water and offered it to Kazuko. She took the bowl and placed it at Hatsumi's lips, tipping a trickle of water into her mouth. Hatsumi coughed once and swallowed. Her eyes moved behind the swollen masses of her eyelids. Is that you, Kazuko? Her voice was a hoarse croak. Yes, I am here. Are we dead? No, Hatsumi, we are alive. So much pain. I thought I must be dead. Tears seeped from between her purpled eyelids, slid toward her ears. Here, drink some more water. Kazuko lifted Hatsumi's head 
and held the bowl to her battered lips. Hatsumi sipped at the water, and Kazuko let her take her time until the bowl was empty. A mixture of a sigh and moan exhaled from the woman's mouth as Kazuko let her head back down. Oh, Kazuko, what happened to that thing? Where is it? It is dead, and so are all the bandits. Our guards fought bravely, but all of them were killed. Then who is with you? I thought, I thought I heard you speaking to someone. The brave warrior who helped us, he is escorting us home. His name is Kanishi. What clan is he? Don't worry about that now. Oh, Kazuko, did, did the demon, when he was finished with me? No, Hatsumi. That was when Kanishi arrived. Oh, praise the Buddha. Lucky, lucky for you. Hatsumi's voice held a strange sadness and distress, despite her words, and fresh tears welled. Kazuko stroked her hair. Oh, please, do not touch me, Hatsumi sobbed. I am unclean. The blood of the Oni touched us all. More water, she said to Kanishi, handing him the bowl without glancing at him. Kanishi dipped from the stream and handed it back to her. Here, drink, Kazuko said. We are safe now. We'll be home in a few days. You must rest and regain your strength. It hurts. You're strong. Soon you'll be your old self. I'm afraid I will never be the old Hatsumi ever again. Hush now, she whispered. You must sleep. Then she stood up and turned to Kanishi. Pick her up now. We are moving again. She lifted the hem of her robes and crossed the stream. Thank you for listening to Heart of the Ronin, Volume 1 of the Ronin Trilogy by Travis Heerman. Volume 2, Sword of the Ronin, and Volume 3, Spirit of the Ronin, are available now on your favorite audiobook platform. Please visit TravisHeerman.com, look me up on social media, or send me an email. I would love to hear what you think about the story. <laughs>